0: Luke chapter number 24. We're going to talk a little bit about this morning about the idea, of the day that death died. The day that death died. Now, we read uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. And pick up with me just in verse number 11 and 12, okay? And the Bible says, In their words, the words of the women when they came to the disciples, uh, words that seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Okay, And so they heard this, but they didn't believe them. Then Peter arose and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come to pass. Now, can I tell you this? The Bible tells us back in Mark that when those ladies came from the, uh, from the grave to where the disciples were, the disciples weren't there enjoying life at that moment. In fact, if you go back to the, the, the book of Mark, you'll find out in Mark chapter 16, verse number 10, and she went and told them that had been with him, and they mourned and wept. The disciples were having a tough time. They were crying. Now, we often look back and we say, you know what, Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. That's what he did On, on uh, when he died on the cross, somewhere Wednesday, Thursday, we're not sure exactly what day it is. I lean towards Thursday, but when he died on the cross, He paid the price for our sins. But can I stand here and tell you this morning, folks, that if there was no Easter Sunday, if there was not the day of resurrection, you and I would live this life wondering what death held for each of us. Because though Christ had paid the price for our sins, it was his resurrection that guaranteed that he had a power over death. If he would have stayed death, he would have been like any other religious leader that has ever lived. Now, uh, Mary, the Bible says that she was highly favored. But can I tell you this? Mary died and stayed dead. She was not any more righteous than you and I. She was saved by the grace of God, just like you and I have to be. Any other religious leader that you and I could mark off, the same thing. They have all died. And they're, uh, they are basing their salvation if, on the fact of whether or not they've accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so, as Peter was there, as Mary and all these other ladies have just come to talk to him, and he is contemplating what is going on? I've been to the tomb. I was here when they laid him down. I was there when they crucified him. I saw everything that happened. And yet, there are the grave clothes, there's the napkin that covered his face laid somewhere differently. And he walked out wondering what was going on. I'd like to share with you this morning some of the things that went on that morning. Let's pray and then we'll return to God's word. Father, I ask that you'd have your will done in all that is said this morning. Father, we rejoice that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, your victory over death. And so while death scares us, it does not hold power over a Christian. And we're here to rejoice over that fact today and to thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which guarantees the future of anyone who knows you as their personal Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I've put up on the screen a bunch of our verses this morning because we're going to roll through a whole bunch of them. First thing I want you to understand, though, is that Christ conquered death for himself. The Bible tells us uh, that in, back in the book of Hosea, chapter 13, that Jesus Christ had said that I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plague. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Now, Satan thought that he had the victory when when uh, when Jesus Christ died and gave up the ghost there on that cross. Satan rejoiced. He thought that he had gained the victory, that finally God was dead. But Jesus Christ, for his own glory, and to show that nothing could conquer him, three days later, he rose from the dead. But as, as the, we read in Luke chapter number uh, 24 there, Jesus had told them before, He said, "I'm going to be dead, I'm, they're going to crucify me. I've got to pay the price. I'm going to be in that grave, in that tomb for three days, and then I'm going to come back." But it was so, such an awkward thought, a, such a foreign thought, that it went clean over their head. Nobody understood that. But understand this morning that Jesus Christ, when he rose, it was a show that he was God. And then Paul uh, uh, goes over this verse again, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55 through 57. Paul says this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death, the sin, the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. And then catch that last phrase, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the guarantee that you and I can have a home in heaven. And so when he stood there, and uh, come up from that grave, he held his fist in Satan's face. And he said, see, I am the victory. I'm the one that you can never gain victory over. Romans chapter 6, verse number 9 says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, and catch this, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. You see, Jesus Christ is sitting in the right hand of God right now. And he is up there and Satan has nothing to him. You read through the Bible, you go to the book of Job. Satan has to ask permission of God to do anything to hurt, to, to even afflict a Christian. He doesn't just walk around and say, you know what, there's a Christian over there somebody knows Jesus Christ. I'm going to do whatever I want to them. No, God has to give him permission to bring difficulties into your life, into my life. But not only did the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, not only did he do it to conquer death for himself, but I want you to understand, that he conquered death for all of his joint heirs. What's a joint heir? The Bible tells us in in Galatians chapter number six uh, that we are all joint heirs with Christ, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal savior. Let me ask you this question this morning. Has there been a time in your life where you realized, number one, that you were a sinner, number two, that there was no way that you could be good enough to get to heaven, number three, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sin and for my sin? When I was eight years old, I knelt at our dining room table and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and take away my sin. I had grown up in a pastor's home. I was a good kid by all, all, uh, all reports. The thing is, only the good reports, you know. I, there were lots of other things they didn't know, all right? But by all reports, I was a, a pretty good kid, got good grades, but can I tell you this? I knew that I was going to hell. And I had to... As the son of a pastor, as a good kid, as someone who got good grades in school, as someone who every time a teacher in Sunday school asked the question, who knows this, I didn't even have to raise my hand, I just blurted it out. I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I'm so grateful that he did that. The Bible tells us here in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 20, the verse that we've got on the screen now, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, not only did he die to prove that he could conquer death for himself, but he did it to prove that he could conquer death for you and for me. See that's what Easter is all about. It's not just that Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, but now He is the victory. But now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. I enjoy gardening, and this week I, in the midst of all the rain and everything, I got I went over here to Bayless Greenhouse, where they put it in where Fred used to be in Munford, and I have this. I'm, I mean, I'm just horrible. I see plants, they're so beautiful, they're so, I mean, all I, when I see those little tiny plants, all I see is all the vegetables and flowers and everything growing on them. I said, I'm just going to walk in there, I'm just going to look, of course I walk with a whole, with a whole flat of vegetable plants, you know, and so then I had to till up the garden and I got everything, but listen, I'm so excited because I can see those plants and I've been out there every day, even though it's been 50 degrees and they're not growing at all right now, you know, but you know, you're just looking, come on, grow just a little bit, okay, I just need one squash, I just won this week. I'll wait till next week. But we watch them. But listen, every one of those plants that will grow. And when I pull that first tomato or that first pepper or that first squash or whatever it is off those plants. And I cut that thing open and I either cook it or I eat it raw, however it is. I will be thinking of all the other squash and all the other car- uh, the, all, all the other cucumbers all through the summer that I want to get off of them. It's the first fruits. It's a guarantee that there are going to be more. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, see, he conquered death and he showed it to everyone. And what he was saying is that you and I, when this body gives up and we go to the grave, oh, listen, that's just the beginning. We look at death and we say that's the end. Oh no, that's not the way the Bible. God says he is the first fruits of them that slept. That's the beginning of your eternal life. It's just the end of this little bit of life, just this this speck called the mortal life that you and I will live, but we'll spend all of eternity with him. Again, Psalm 23, verse 4, that's why Christians, and this verse is used at funerals all the time. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Listen, death is there. It's got a shadow on both sides of us. But yet, I don't have to worry about evil. we got one of our Mother's Day out kids that loves to try to stomp on shadows, all right? I, I, I love our Mother's Day out kids. They come in and they, they are full of personality. But, you know, they'll come in spinning around, around mom or dad, whoever's, whoever's escorting them in, and I'm like, what's going on? Oh, trying to stomp on my shadow, all right? And uh, we watch those kids. Listen, that shadow there, it's not real, and that's exactly what death is. It's not real to us. It's a departure from one and the beginning of our real life in heaven because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Romans eight seventeen, talking about us, us as Christians. And if we're children, again, that's a conditional clause. If, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, there's been a time where you've accepted him, then you are a child of God. If not, today. Is the day to accept Christ as your personal savior. He offers the free gift of salvation to every one of us. You don't have to wait. You don't have to pay. All you've got to do is ask him. But if you're children, you're not just a child. The Bible says you are an heir. Everything that Jesus Christ gets from God, we get a portion of it. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so when Christ died in that cross, he did it to conquer death for himself. He also did it to conquer death For his joint heirs, those of us who know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Can I tell you this as well? When he died on the cross, he removed the stinger from death. I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the little boy. There were two brothers. One of them was three or four years old. The other one was nine or ten years old. And they were walking with dad across a field. And as they were walking across that field, a little honeybee jumped up onto the older boy's face. And as he went to brush it off, he accidentally did a little bit of squish job on it as he pushed it, and it stung him right on the cheek. And he started to ow, oh, oh, my cheek, my cheek. But in the process of pushing it off, he, he flicked it right onto his little brother. And so his little brother, as soon as that bee hits him, his, the little brother, he just starts flopping on the ground, screaming and yelling and rolling around for everything that he's worth. And dad goes over and picks him up. He says, are you okay? He said, yeah. He said, why are you screaming? Because the bee, the bee, the bee. And so dad went over to the older brother and picked him up off the ground, helped him, and he squeezed where he'd been stung and pulled that little stinger out of the wound. And he, on the tip of his finger, he took it over to his youngest son, And he said, son, don't worry about it. You see this stinger? That bee can't hurt you anymore. Your brother's been stung, but it can't hurt you. Listen, that's what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross for us. Oh, death is still real. It still lives on, just like that bee lived on. But the problem was its stinger was gone. It couldn't hurt anymore. And death, while it takes us, it is a momentary last because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It happens that quick. The moment I close my eyes, I'm in heaven. The moment your heart starts, stops beating and you close your eyes and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you are in heaven immediately. Hebrews 12, verse 14 and 15 tell us, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We fear death. We're scared of it. We do everything we can to avoid it. But can I tell you this? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took the sting away, and if you and I will realize that as we serve Him, nothing happens to us that's not out of that is not part of His uh, his, his plan for us. Death has no power over us. We're here until God is done with us. <clears throat> um. Vance Havner, a preacher and a Bible scholar, many of you have probably heard him preach before on the radio and stuff, but he wrote a bunch of books, but he died back in, I think it was 1985, 1986, something like that. But he says this, the hope of dying is the only thing that keeps me alive. He said, I want to keep serving my Lord, and that's the only thing that keeps me going. You may have heard of professional golfer Paul Azinger Back in uh, 19, I think it was 1993, 94, somewhere in there, he was 33 years old and was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, he had just, he had, I think he got into golfing in the late 80s, so he was only five or six years in. He had won his first major uh, golf tournament just a couple of months before he was diagnosed, and he thought he had tendonitis in his shoulder. And it turned out that as the doctors continued looking at him as he kept playing golf, and that shoulder was bothering him, everything, that they just, and they said, you know what, you've got cancer in your shoulder. And it was through that cancer and being out of golf that Paul Eisinger was uh, introduced to Jesus Christ. And he, he gives this quote. He says, A genuine feeling of fear came, came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or whether from something else. It's just a question of when. Everything I'd accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. But then in his autobiography, he continues on to say, I've made a lot of money since I've been on the tour and I've won a lot of tournaments, but that happiness is always temporary. The only way you will ever have true contentment is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me and I don't have problems, but I feel I found the answer to the six foot hole that all of us will face called death. I know I'll spend eternity with God, and I have a promise that as a child of God, He'll help me deal with anything. He promises to offer me contentment regardless of what life brings, even cancer. Death lost its sting because he realized that Jesus Christ had pulled the stinger out of death. The Bible tells us back in in Isaiah chapter 53, that in order for Jesus to pull that that, uh, stinger out of death, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He took the the death, the sting, the full brunt of death for us so that we would never have to face it all the way. Mark 15, 37, as Jesus was there on that that cross, again, remember, no one could take Jesus' life from him. He was God. He had to give it up. And so as as he was there, naked on that cross, being made fun of by everyone, blood streaming down everywhere in pain, the Bible says that Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. No man took it from him. The Roman soldiers, so accustomed to cruelty and so very good at their job, came by a few hours later with a big club, the butt of their sword, possibly to break his legs. And when they did, they found that he was already dead because he gave up his life for you and for me why did he give it up he gave it up because he knew that you and i could not pull the stinger from death he would have to do that for us death would still have its sting the grave would still have its victory had jesus christ not died for you and for me so jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost in Luke 24, verse 5 through 7, those ladies, as they came back, they were afraid, and they bowed down their face to the earth. They said unto them, Why seek ye the living? And again, that's the angels talking to the lady. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was in Galilee. You see, they were looking for the living among the dead, but that's not where they were going to find him. Let me ask you this morning, if I'm looking for the living, do I find you dead among the living? spiritually dead? When you're out in this world, Christian, I ask you, do I find living among the dead? Or do I find a Christian who is living as if they are dead? You placed all your value on what this life has to offer. The Bible talks about the importance of us not being lazy, of being hard workers, of being involved in our community, of of loving people. But can I tell you this? We know that there is a time frame that the clock is ticking, that the eight days are going by and there will be an end to this life. Every one of us, unless the trumpet of of God sounds and the dead in Christ who are raised incorruptible and those who are alive uh, alive meet Him in the air, unless that happens, every one of us will depart via death. There is an end. We don't know when it is. The stinger has been pulled, but it's still there. Now, that death is an entrance to life afterward. But I ask you this question. Are you prepared for what comes after death? Are you prepared for an eternity with God? The only other alternative is an eternity apart from God. Psalm 116, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why is it so precious? Because we're coming home. We're coming home. He says, I'm calling you to the house. Come on. It's Easter Sunday today. See, I have seen some of you here that I haven't seen in a while. I've had some of you say, hey, my, this relative or that relative is coming in town for, the, for a, a little bit. We get excited when our, when our family comes home, when our relatives come home. Why would God not be the same way? He says, he says, my beloved, they've served me for these years. They're coming home. Can that be said of you? That you're one of his saints? So we use that word oftentimes, that word saint, to be someone who is above reproach and holy. Can I tell you what the Bible definition of saint is? Hagiadso, holy ones. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're holy, not based on your actions, but based on Jesus Christ. Christ and His actions on the cross of Calvary. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are a saint. You are a holy one today. But the fourth thing that I would like to look at this morning is this simple thought. Did Christ conquer death for you? He conquered it for Himself. He conquered it for joint heirs, those who accept Him as their personal Savior. He removed death's stinger but each of us must consider this question. Did Christ conquer death for us? The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, verse number 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, he gave his life for every one of us. And it's your responsibility and my responsibility to put that question in front of everyone. Yesterday, we went out and we knocked on some doors in our community, inviting people to come to church. I have to tell you, we were met met with so many gracious folks. Several of them said that they already go to a different church. They were making plans yesterday. Others accepted those plans. the, the um, invitations, they said, you know, we, we might have to come visit you. So we talked to some that were uh, laid up in the house. They couldn't get out. And so we told them, you know, on the front of the card, it's got the church website and we broadcast all the services. We'd love to, ha- to have you join that way. But can I ask you simply do you ask people on a regular ba- basis if Christ conquered death for them? You see, he, ha- he had the ability to do it, he paid the price. The question just has to be asked whether or not they accept that gift of salvation. Salvation is so simple. We often like to attach so many things to it, say that there's no way that I can be saved, that that I'm a wicked sinner. The truth is every one of us are wicked sinners. The best of us are destined for an eternity in hell. Separation from God, not because God doesn't love you and God doesn't love me. The Bible says God so loved the world but God cannot look upon sin. And so because he cannot look upon sin, a sinner cannot enter the gates of heaven. Not because, again, we often say, well, it's because God hates us. No, it's not because God hates you. It's because he hates sin. And if you're participating in sin and that sin has not been covered and confessed and, and uh, paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ, God says, I can't look on you. In fact, in the, in the scripture, if we were to look, uh, flip back a, a page or two in our Bibles from Luke chapter 24, we would find that when Jesus Christ, as we read that verse earlier, that he cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. When he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that it was dark for three hours because God the Holy Father could not look upon his son who was bearing the sin of the entire world On his shoulders. God said, I can't look upon him. Because of the sin that is there. And so for the next three hours. Darkness everywhere. Because God said, I can't look. Folks, our world needs people to point out the darkness in a loving, gracious way. As a Christian, we have no right to be vicious and mean as we share the gospel. The Bible says that we ought to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But wisdom says that if someone's in trouble, I've got to warn them. As the storms came by a week and a half ago, all over the television, they were warning people. Sirens going off in the area, warning people of the danger that was coming. We were sitting in our house. The neighbors came up to ask us what was going on. The television had said, we, I live over on Old Memphis Road. And the television had said, okay, now the storm's all, it's headed right towards Old Memphis Road. And then the power went out. And we were like, great, this is wonderful. And so the neighbors were worried. We're sitting on the front porch watching it come in. And it made its way up towards Covington, a few miles away. But can I tell you this? How absurd would it have been for those storms to be coming through and everyone to be going about their day as if nothing was going on, for the sirens not to go off, for the television to keep their soap operas or whatever was on, the 6 o'clock news, I guess it was, would have been going on, and no one to even mention the storms. No, decency in humanity and reality tells us that if someone is in danger, we need to warn them. Stop! Don't go this way! Don't do this! And so we share with the people around us. Christ died on the cross for them. But He can only conquer death for you if you accept Him as your personal Savior. So I ask each of us, did Christ die for us? See, the key is belief in Jesus Christ. John eleven twenty five. 25, this is at the death of Lazarus as Jesus goes and he talks to Mary and Martha. Jesus talks to her and he says, He said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And, whatsoever, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Can, I, can you catch this with me? Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said that doesn't change whether you believe or not. I am the resurrection and the life. He says in John chapter 14, verse number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is who Jesus is. The Son of God, the very God Himself, whether or not you and I believe. The thing is, He is the resurrection and the life, but the question must be answered. Do I believe? Look at the end of verse number 25 there. He said, as He pointed to Mary, He said, Believest thou this? Because up in the middle of that verse, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And if you want to yet live, And if you want to never die, you've got to believe that. It's not simply a head knowledge of knowing that I am God. It's not just believing that there's the guy upstairs and yes, I've heard about God all my life. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you accept him as your Savior. And so can you imagine Jesus standing before that young lady and saying to her, I am the resurrection and the life. If you'll believe, you'll live. You'll not die. And then he just asked her very simply, believest thou this? Mary, do you believe? I don't think he did it in a mean way. I think it was very, very gracious. Because just a few verses later on, we find Jesus weeping over the death of Lazarus. Weeping because of all the people that were hurt. Weeping because Mary and Martha are hurt. Jesus very graciously, and she continues on, and she says in verse number 27, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. She didn't say, Jesus, yep, I believe that uh, you're a good person. She didn't say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you love us. She said, I believe that thou art the Christ. That is the word we use for Messiah, the promised one. You are the very Son of God which should come into the world, I believe. The Bible says that her faith was counted unto her for righteousness. And so I ask again that question. Did Christ conquer death for you? He wants to. He paid the price. You just have to accept it. People through the ages, Christians, have lived victorious life and gone through victorious death because they knew that there was an eternity with God the moment their eyes closed. I was doing some research last night and ran across this story, and so I wanted to verify it. And amazing thing about the internet, you can find anything. And so I went back and did some research from... Winston Churchill's funeral I did all kinds of stuff. you can pull up videos you can pull up news announcements I mean where they covered it and everything like that but as I went through Winston Churchill's funeral service it was beautiful it it could have been a church service that you and I would hold today it started with scripture it had hymns in the middle it had Christian poems it had all kinds of stuff Obviously, with him being the prime minister of of, uh, uh, Great Britain all through the the war, um, he was highly revered. And it was amazing as you go through and and they've got the whole order of all of the different royals that would come through. And then then all of the different uh, military leaders that would come through. And then we're going to play this song as the casket is rolled forward. And I mean, it was timed down to the minute. Uh, the funeral started at, what? At, I, I, th- I can't remember what time it was, but it was like at, at 37, you know, 23 minutes before that, this first person walked through. And this you had this whole group. And at 42, this whole group, of people, I mean, it was planned out perfectly. He had planned his own funeral. And you go through the service, and there was a message that was preached, a gospel message. And as the message was preached, and then it went to another hymn. And then they sang the Brit- British National Anthem. And when they did that, they asked everyone to stand. And so I'm going to ask all of you at this time to stand, if you would, please. Because as soon as they were done with the British National Anthem, he had put into there the military uh, the equivalent, the last post, which is the British equivalent of our tax. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have been to military funerals, but my eyes get weepy as the bugler stands off in the distance and plays that final version here in the United States of TAPS. flag is folded and the marine or the soldier or the sailor get down on one knee and hand to the family member that flag as a reminder of what that service member has done in service of our country. And they say to them something along the lines on the behalf of the President of the United States and a grateful nation. But Winston Churchill had a belief in God. And so just after they played the last post that we just heard, just before they wheeled his casket out, he had them play Reveal, which is the trumpet call, the bugle call for the day is beginning. (laughs) He wanted everyone to realize that, in one sense, the physical sense, it was his last post. But while he lay there in that casket, he had begun a brand new day in heaven. I ask you very simply this morning Did you allow Christ to conquer death for you? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, when we die, it's good night here on earth, but it's also good morning in heaven. And that's because Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the day that death died. As death for you died this morning. Father, we're grateful for the joy that we can have on Easter Sunday as we realize the sacrifice has been paid and then you went so far beyond that when you rose from the grave to prove that you had victory over death. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I thank you for Him plucking the stinger out of death and so while we still face death, it does not have its sting. It definitely does not have victory anymore because the moment that our eyes close in death, we are with God, our God in heaven if we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior.